Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, April 18th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you. Now, Beantown Athletics today is actually closed. Uh, All the boys are at Fenway for the Patriots Day game, which is going on right now. Just started, but I'm here in the studio, uh, back to work, and giving you this podcast five days a week. little programming note tonight, I am doing the late shift on WEEI, 10 p.m. to midnight tonight, so make sure you tune into that later on, and I'll be taking your phone calls up until midnight. But again, happy Patriots Day, beautiful weather on this marathon Monday The 120th Boston Marathon is underway, and the Red Sox first pitch was at 11.05 a.m. this morning at Fenway. They just began the game. Clay Buckholtz, a couple innings in. Buckholtz on the mound for the Red Sox. He has has a couple big double plays that his defense turned for him, which got him out of a couple jams in the early stages of this one as I'm watching it, and I'm sure I'll be breaking down this entire game again tonight on WEEI. But first pitch was at 11.05. They close out their four-game series with Toronto. The Sox have won two of three in this series so far. The Blue Jays, of course, won yesterday 5-3. I'll get to all that. Uh, But I got to mention, of course, today, also a very emotional day here in the city of Boston as we continue to remember those who lost their lives and those who were injured in the senseless bombings at the marathon three years ago. And the message that is going to live with us forever, it comes from Martin Richard, the eight-year-old boy who lost his life in those bombings. The sign that we always see him holding, which reads, no more hurting people. Peace. No more hurting people. Peace. It it breaks your heart uh, every time uh, you see it, but no doubt his message has been heard loud and clear, especially on this day. And, you know, I record this podcast right in Martin Richards' backyard in Dorchester, so I should also let you know that you can donate To Martin's Park at Children's Wharf. It's a new park that they are building right downtown near the waterfront, right on the waterfront. You can text 91999 to donate $8. Again, that is a text 91999. And with... Marathon Monday today, as I mentioned, it is a Patriots Day tradition at Fenway as the Red Sox currently underway. Great weather, almost perfect weather here in April. What, 65 degrees and sunny? So if there's one thing today that Clay Buckholtz cannot use as an excuse if he does struggle at any point during this game, uh, he cannot talk about the weather because it is absolutely perfect. The Red Sox going up against lefty J.A. Happ. He is the first lefty starter that the Sox have faced this year. Now, with the whole lefty-righty matchup thing, the Red Sox have 
been doing some interesting mix and matching in their lineup, their batting order, and in the field the last couple days against this Toronto team. Now, today, here is the lineup today. Mookie Betts leading off in right field. Dustin Pedroia hitting second at second base. Xander Bogarts hitting third at short. Travis Shaw is at first base, and he's hitting cleanup because David Ortiz has the day off. I'll get to that in a minute, but let me just finish what this lineup looks like. So Travis Shaw, again, left-handed hitting Travis Shaw against lefty pitcher J.A. Happ. Shaw is going to be in cleanup at first base. Hanley Ramirez is going to be the DH hitting fifth. You're going to have Chris Young, right-handed hitter, and he was brought here to hit against left-handed pitching, so he's getting the start today in left field. He is hitting sixth. Josh Rutledge, utility player, third baseman. He is going to be hitting seventh at third. Christian Vasquez behind the plate, hitting eighth. And Jackie Bradley Jr. hitting ninth. He is in center field. I'll get to Vasquez in a few minutes because the Christian Vasquez effect is real as he is put into this Red Sox lineup. Having getting ca- he got called up this weekend. And uh, you know I've been raving about Christian Vasquez now for not just a couple weeks, not just a couple months, a couple years, and you are finally seeing it. So I'll talk about Vasquez in a few minutes, but back to this lineup situation. No David Ortiz today. And I I read some people on Twitter who were up in arms and and were complaining about this because they say, well, it's David Ortiz's final Patriots Day game. And I guess the way I look at it is this. 11 a.m. start. I know it's a special day, but if, if... If you're the manager of this team and you're looking at this roster and you know it's a 162-game season, I know it's a special day. I know it's David Ortiz's last Patriots Day uh, as a professional ball player, and this is a special game for this city. But I do want my manager thinking long-term here. And if you are going to give David Ortiz some time off, which you will throughout the season, when are you going to give him time off? I would think an 11 a.m. start. Uh, So... And and against the lefty, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with David Ortiz not playing in this game. When, when I talk about the moves I want John Farrell to make and I want this organization to make, I want him to make baseball moves. I think this Ortiz thing today is a baseball move, looking at this thing long-term. And when I say long-term, I mean 162 games. And I don't just mean 162. I mean 162-plus that's what they're hoping for, at least, to get into the postseason. But you're going to give Ortiz some time off. I think if you're going to do that, which, which you will, today is a good day uh, to give him some time off. Now, some of the other situations, though, with the lineup. Like, Rutledge is in the lineup today. I, I, Brock Holt had yesterday off. I would have went with Brock Holt today, okay? I would have went with Brock Holt. Doesn't matter what Rutledge does today. I, I'm just telling you I would have went with Brock Holt. With Travis Shaw, I mean, yeah, you put him at first with Ortiz out. You make Hanley the DH. Shaw hitting cleanup. At first glance, I don't know that I really like that. But if you think about it, all right, you got three righties. Betts, Pedroia, Bogots. If you want to throw a lefty in their cleanup, which you usually have in David Ortiz, I can understand that. If you don't want to go four straight righties and put Hanley in that spot, and if you're not going to go Shaw, I guess the question is, who would you put? You're not putting Young in the cleanup spot. You're certainly not putting Rutledge, uh, Vasquez, or Jackie Bradley Jr., so Shaw would be your guy if you do want a lefty in that spot. So I'm I'm not worked up about that move. Um, The Chris Young thing, we know he was brought here to be in the lineup against... Left-handed pitching, I think a problem people had was 
He was in the game yesterday against a righty, and then they kept him in the game late. You know, you get a big hit from Travis Shaw in the ninth, you make it a two-run game, and, you know, you, you ask the quick, why is Chris Young still in that game? Look, I'm not going to lie to you. Some, you know, there are people, a lot of people in this town that are worked up about the Chris Young situation and what they did with him yesterday and what they're doing with him today and even the lineup. I have a very, I, I have a tough time getting on the lineup right now. I do. I have a tough time doing it. I think there are more things on this team and this organization that fire me up. And, you know, that one thing today specifically is if, if I'm watching this game and Clay Buckholtz starts to get lit up at any point when he gets through the when he goes through the Toronto order one more time or a couple more times, like we're asking for Clay Buckholtz to come out and give us something. And you know, 11 a.m. start. He can't blame anything on the weather. So right now he looks good. It's the early stage of this game. I hope I didn't just jinx him. I'm knocking on wood here, but um, you know, things like that. That's what gets me fight up if if Buckholtz is going to come out today and get lit up at any point in this game when you have a chance to take uh, three of four from the Blue Jays but just with the lineup I'm okay with giving Ortiz a day off and I think that is a trickle-down effect I think if I have any beef with this lineup today it would be well Brock Holtz should be in the lineup somewhere like you you gave him the day off yesterday now maybe this is injury related we heard he was a little banged up with what a foot if if I'm not mistaken and perhaps it's worse than maybe we think. I don't know. I can't speak to that. I can't speak to the diagnosis of Brock Holt's injury, but they're not telling us that, right? They're not telling us he's unavailable. They're not telling us uh, it's so bad that he couldn't play today. I would prefer Brock Holt in this lineup this afternoon, or you could say this morning with the early start because you gave him yesterday off. What does he need two days off for? Uh, but even with that said, with Rutledge in, I mean, I just, I have a tough time getting worked up about this today. So I'll keep an eye on it. I'll, I'm going to get away from Red Sox right now. I'll, I'll react to what we see in this game tonight on WEI. Though, actually, one more Red Sox thought. I told you I was going to mention the Christian Vasquez effect. It is a real thing. And when I saw people, like I saw people tweeting, uh, Lou Merloni over the weekend, and they were saying, because Lou was was loving the Christian Vasquez thing, much like I was. You go to Friday night against Toronto, Rick Porcello's on the mound. I, I mean, I've told you, and, and Lou's told you, the people who, who, who know what the mindset is internally in this organization, we've tried to relay that message to you. I've tried for the last two years. You know, you go back to the A.J. Perzinski signing two years ago. When the Red Sox said, hey, we are not going to bring back Jared Salt-Lamakia because he wants a three-year deal. It's not that we don't like Salty. It's that we don't want to sign a catcher to a multi-year deal because we feel this kid, Vasquez, is going to be ready by the middle of the summer. And the reports that I was giving you, having conversations with people in the Red Sox organization, was that their target date for Vasquez, not last year, the year before. Remember the year they signed Brzezinski? Their target date for getting Vasquez up to the majors was that June. Now, I think it was a little bit later. I think he came up in July, I want to say. Might have even been August. But the bottom line is this. They were correct with the timetable of Vasquez was going to be ready that season. And when I had those conversations with the Red Sox, with certain people in the Red Sox organization who are in the know, and I've, believe me, again, I've relayed this message to you many times over the last couple of years. When I had that conversation with these people, they told me, this kid's untouchable. He is, they compared him to Yadier Molina. 
Yachty and Molina. And that's a, that is great company to be in. That's a great comparison for a young catcher that you want your organization to really uh, take control of that position for the long-term future here. And unfortunately for Christian Vasquez, he had the Tommy John surgery last year, and the recovery is pretty long for that. Here he is fully recovered. Here he is getting called up this weekend. He gets behind the plate for a pitcher in this rotation that, you know, at least me, I've just been asking for someone like Porcello to just look confident on the mound. Like, there's a confidence issue there because he leaves everything up in the zone. But Vasquez was behind the plate, and he's calling this game. And he literally, there was one point Friday night, he, you know, Porcello shook Vasquez off. And now this is a young kid, Vasquez, in his mid-20s, who you know, really doesn't have that much major league experience, but that just goes to show you how good he is because this rotation and this pitching staff, they rave about him. They were raving about him in spring training. They love throwing to him. And this is how much, this is how good Vasquez is. Porcello shakes Vasquez off Friday night. Vasquez shakes Porcello off. He says, no, 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 no. You're not shaking me off. We are going with this pitch. I don't care what the fuck you say. And that's exactly what happened. Porcello said, all right, got to throw the pitch. Um, but that's a sign of a that's a sign of a confident catcher. And when you get that confidence behind the plate, I tell you what, it rubbed off on Porcello Friday night because that night, that game was as confident as I've seen Rick Porcello look with his pitches. He was pitching with conviction. That's a phrase you hear a lot from pitching staffs. That's something that a lot of pitching staffs want to have, but not all of them do. Right, it's one thing to want to have to to want to pitch with conviction. It's another thing to go out, get up on that mound, and do it. We've been begging for Porcello to pitch and throw with conviction. He did it Friday night, and a lot of that has to do with the confidence I think that he has in the guy behind the plate, the kid behind the plate, and Christian Vasquez. The Christian Vasquez effect is real, and in that game, he put a couple of balls off the monster, and you know I'm looking at that going, that's a bonus. I mean, the way Vasquez perform behind the plate, and he threw a guy, strike him out, throw him out, threw a guy out at first base. I mean, we know about the kid's arm. We know about his defense. We know about his ability to call a game, and that's why that night, you know, people, I saw him, you know, Lou was tweeting back and forth with with fans, and people were saying, oh, relax, it's only one game. And I actually, I talked to Lou this weekend, and I said to him, I said, these people are nuts. It's, you you can't say relax, it's only one game with Vasquez or it's only two games to small sample size. You can't say that when the expectations are pretty high for Vasquez. It's not like he came out of nowhere. Like if Vasquez came out of nowhere and they were giving Swihart a couple days off and they just had this kid and they needed to go with another catcher and they went with him and he was good and Porcello had a nice outing, you know, then you can say if there's no expectations going in, then you can say, oh, relax, it's only one game, it's a small sample size. But the expectations for Vasquez are real. And as it turns out, the Christian Vasquez effect is also a real thing. So I I don't think it's an overreaction to a small sample size. I think it's the reaction you should have, you know, if you've listened to us, try to tell you what the organization's expectations are for someone like Christian Vasquez. And they are high. And as you see, it's no fluke. They compare him to Yadier Molina. Uh, you, you see the comparisons, all right? Um, I don't care what he does at the plate, to be honest. I don't. Because he is going to help this pitching staff. 
throwing guys out and just having that confidence behind the play, calling a game uh, that's going to help all these other starters who are not named David Price. So uh, that's what we saw. That's that's pretty exciting to me when I see what Christian Vasquez is doing as the new starting catcher for this team. And he's not losing it, by the way. If people want to talk about, oh, put Swihart at a different position, I think they dropped the ball on Swihart. I told you this offseason, I told you Vasquez was going to be the guy, and I said, you want to take advantage of maybe some trade value that Swihart has as an offensive catcher who could possibly swing a big bat, you know, take advantage of it this offseason. Maybe they try to at the trade deadline. I guess I'm not so sure... With this move you made, I'm not so sure what the trade value would be moving forward uh, because, you know, you send him to the minors and essentially say, hey, we got someone better, right? And and we're not even asking for offense from Christian Vasquez. So that's what we have with the Red Sox. We'll move on from that because uh, there's some meaningful stuff and some meaningful game. Not to say the Red Sox aren't meaningful, but yeah, it is April. And, and when you get other sports in, in the playoffs, in the middle of their playoffs, those are obviously more meaningful games. And the NBA playoffs began this weekend. And we do have a team here in Boston in the playoffs in the Boston Celtics. And they lost to the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday night in what was just, I mean, just an awful first half of basketball. It was one of the worst first halves shooting-wise, that you're going to see from a team in the NBA, okay? It, it was just downright pathetic. The Celtics couldn't shoot. And the fact that they were so bad in the first half in Atlanta in game one of this first-round playoff series and only lost by one point and had a chance to win this game is incredible to me. I mean, it's incredible that the Celtics had a chance to still win this game. It shows you the type of fight this C's team has. It's something we've been raving about and we've been praising them for going back to late last season. We've seen it all year long, and we're seeing it again here in the postseason. The problem you have now, if you're the Celtics, as you get ready for game two of this series in Atlanta, which is not until tomorrow night, so they're going to get, you know, they get two days off here. They get yesterday off and they get tonight off. They'll get back to work in this first-round playoff series tomorrow night on Tuesday in Atlanta. Um, but the bad news, and this is very bad news, is that Avery Bradley is injured. What's he? He got he hurt his hamstring. Poppy thinks he is unlikely for the rest of this series. That did not look good. And um, that was not a good scene with the Avery Bradley injury. You're asking this kid to play defense, but he, what he's he's amazed me with some of his three-point shooting here uh, this season. And uh, to go along with that defense. And he give look, Avery Bradley plays a type of defense that gives superstar offensive players nightmares. He does. So you want that guy in your lineup. There's no question about it, but he's unlikely for the rest of the series. So the Celtics will have a more difficult time trying to beat Atlanta. Am I going to sit here and tell you they, they can't do it and that because Avery Bradley's out, this series is over? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm really not going to do that because I have a whole lot of confidence in someone like Evan Turner who can take over ball games, and and I know what you're saying. It, it, look, it's a different type of takeover. Evan Turner obviously doesn't take over a game like LeBron. He obviously doesn't take over a game like Steph Curry. We know that. Evan Turner takes over a game for the Celtics in a fashion that 
you know, we're used to seeing, which is he's always involved in a play. He always is. Every single run, every single comeback, every single pulling away with a big lead. Evan Turner is involved in that. I have the confidence that he can be involved in some of that in this series too. I do. I, I have confidence in that. Uh, but the the one thing that needs to happen here is the Celtics, and this is it's obvious. I mean, you don't need me to tell you this. They need to shoot better in the first half. I, I do think, though, you need to look at it in an optimistic light because they lost by one point and they had a chance to win a game, and it's one of the worst shooting performances in a first half in any half that we've seen from any team, that at least I've seen from any team ever. Honestly, it was pathetic. And they still had a chance to win the game. And I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with the Celtics fight. The other part of it is... I think what's standing to be true about this Atlanta Hawks team is that they're a little soft, especially when they get into these must-win playoff games. Yeah, they're, they're a little soft. They're a regular, Atlanta's a regular season team. They've proven that the last couple seasons. They're a regular season ball club. And the Celtics can take advantage of that by also you know, bringing their fight to the table. And if they can, look, if they can steal one in Atlanta tomorrow night, I don't think it's out of the question. They can steal one in Atlanta tomorrow night. They come home for two, and and I think the Celtics are in good shape, even without Avery Bradley. So I'm not ruling them out just yet. It's going to be more difficult, no question. I'm not ruling the Celtics out of this series, though, because they lose uh, Avery Bradley. It's a big loss, but they have other pieces here. Don't forget about Isaiah Thomas. And by the way, if you have not read the Players' Tribune piece from Isaiah Thomas that was that came out late last week, it was just titled Boston. You have to go read it. Uh, now, I think it probably is a better piece in the eyes of Celtics fans and people here in Boston and New England. Like, I loved it. Like, I had the, the chills reading it the whole time. I read it like five times. I read it, you know, a couple times the day before the game on Saturday. And then Saturday, right before the game, I was actually on the radio Saturday night during the first half, but I have TVs in front of me in the studio, at the radio studio, so I get to watch it, and uh, I got to watch the first half and how just pathetic the shooting was, but before I jumped on air and before that game started, I read it again. I read the Players' Tribune piece, and it's fun. It, look, I'll give you a little, just a little glimpse as to what you'd be reading. It's basically Isaiah Thomas talking about how he was traded to the Celtics, uh, they go in depth, how he's on the bus, and, you know, a teammate reads it on Twitter that that he's traded and he's shocked and he comes to Boston and what the first game he gets he gets ejected what he have twenty plus points and he got ejected and he goes back into the locker room this was his first game and I believe it was on the road right it was on the road was it in L A if I remember that correctly if either way he gets ejected first game in the Celtics uniform and he goes back and one of his first games he goes back to the locker room. And uh, one of the trainers is just smiling. And Isaiah Thomas is like, what, what, what's so funny? Like, what are you smiling? And he goes, well, they are going to love you in Boston. They're going to love you. You had 20-plus points and you got ejected? They're going to love you. And Isaiah Thomas, he just, he just didn't understand. He's like, why would they love me? I got ejected from the game. And then he stepped into the garden. Then he came to Boston. He's sitting in Danny Ainge's office. Danny Ainge, you know, what, what did he tell him? You have a chance. You're going to be a Celtics legend. And Isaiah Thomas is like, wait a minute, what? What's going on here? Like, he just didn't understand any of this. 
And, you know, he mentions the weather, how it was real cold, and he didn't have any winter clothes. He had to go buy a coat. Because we get so caught up in free agency and trying to recruit free agents, we get so caught up in the weather that I think we overlook the emotions of a real-life human being. And sometimes we forget that these pro athletes are real-life human beings. And Isaiah Thomas is also. He's no exception to that rule. And he has emotions. He has feelings. The weather was just a minor piece in a, in a bigger picture, which was he comes to the Celtics. He didn't know what to expect because there are not many places around the league like this city and like this franchise. And the description in this Players' Tribune piece that he gives a playing for the Celtics is not just, it does not just fire you up to see what Isaiah Thomas can do for the Celtics team in this playoffs, and he's going to have to do a little bit more now because you see Avery Bradley out, doesn't just fire you up for right now. It fires you up for what could happen this offseason because I think this piece is also a very good recruiting piece. Now, the best recruiting piece is for the Celtics to win this series against Atlanta. They play Cleveland in the second round because of the set brackets and because the Celtics are the five seed, they're going to be playing Cleveland. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think they're going to beat Cleveland, but if you want to send a message, give Cleveland, give Cleveland a good fight. You know, take them... Take him to the seventh round. Take him to the seventh game. And if LeBron beats you then, yeah, tip your cap and say one of the best plays in the world just eliminated us. A, a, a team, you saw the Cavs. You saw what Kevin Love did in their game one, right? You saw it. The Cavaliers, don't, please don't sleep on Cleveland. I know we hate them in this town, but if you just want to take a step back for a minute and look around the league and the teams that have opportunities to win a championship right now, Everyone looks at Golden State. People even look at San Antonio. But don't sleep on the Cavaliers. Don't sleep on LeBron. And don't sleep on the fact that Love had a big game uh, last night in their win against Detroit in Game 1, 106-101. to And Kyrie Irving, don't sleep on the Cavaliers. Celtics are not going to beat them. Uh, you can put up a fight. They'll put up a better fight than they did last year. Uh, and, and I know the best recruiting tool at this point is for the Celtics to win this first-round series and put up a fight against Cleveland, but this Players' Tribune piece where Isaiah Thomas goes into detail and describes, it's it's pretty good recruiting tool. And not only that, but Isaiah Thomas was an all-star. He was at the all-star game. We heard reports that players were asking him about Boston. He was recruiting certain guys. And, uh, you know, it goes back to Al Horford, who's going to be playing a couple playoff games at the TD Garden. And I, I you know what? They were empty seats in Atlanta on Saturday night. Empty seats. You could see them on TV. And if you watch the broadcast, listen to the broadcast, they would tell you too. They saw more empty seats than we could around up top, around the whole building. When Atlanta comes to Boston for game three, you think there's going to be an empty seat in the house? Give me a break. There's going to be no empty seats in the garden for game three or game four or any playoff game that the Celtics play in this year. And a player like Horford's going to step into the building. It's going to, I mean, he, he thought it was exciting when they came here in the regular season. How about the postseason? And that brings us to the reports about Kevin Durant wanting to play with Al Horford. You can think that's crazy all you want. If that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. It's not your decision, it's his. And I see I all, I'm just thinking about it. I'm just, I keep thinking of Kevin Durant. And, and you've heard reports, you've heard, you heard people say he's going to look at, he's going to give Boston a look. Durant's coming to the Celtics. I'm, I'm convinced of it. He's coming to the Celtics. Get your season tickets now. 
I, I, I try to get a discount on season tickets. I'm not going to lie to you. I did. I'm not going to lie. I tell the truth here. I, I rip open my chest for you every single morning. And I, we were trying to get some season tickets, and I was reaching out, and I'm like, hey, you know, I got this show. Like, how about a little, uh, maybe a discounted price? You know, we do an exchange. I pump up the season tickets for you. You know, I give you a, a read every day. You know, we'll get that way. I'll get my tickets. We get a little discount. I'll be in the building because then the Celtics go get Kevin Durant. And now it's just perfect. And I get my seasons with Durant here for the future. Horford, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, that would be perfect. I, they, I, they weren't really going for the exchange and the discounted rate. I'm gonna still, we're still trying. And I might still get the season tickets. I don't know. And I'm sure by saying that, I lose any leverage that I would ever possibly have in that discussion. But I don't, I'm not so sure I had leverage to begin with. So I'm not even going to go in to it like I had any. And you could say that's a bad business move all you want. Uh, but, you know, the best business move is to follow your heart. And my heart is, you know, leading me towards season tickets for the Celtics next year. Uh, we're looking into it still. We'll see. But I tell you what. The only reason I'm thinking about that is because I know the Celtics are going to do something big, and I know Kevin Durant's going to give the Celtics a look. And when you read that Players' Tribune piece, eh, maybe more than Durant gives the Celtics a look because that is a great story, and uh, at least it gives me the chills. And I think I might read that before every playoff game just to get me extra fired up. Game two in Atlanta tomorrow night. Try to get some NBA guests on this show uh, this week, some analysts. But as we look around the rest of the NBA playoffs. I think the biggest scare of the weekend was in Golden State as Steph Curry rolls his ankle. He gets taken out of that game. Now, it was a blowout. They were whooping Houston, so there's no need to risk it with Steph Curry. We've heard about the ankle problems in the past. They did say at first, you know, the Warriors won game one of their series with Houston. They did say at first that Steph Curry was, what, questionable maybe for game two which is going to be tonight Uh, again in Golden State against Houston Golden State leads the series one game to none they're saying if Curry gets the okay he's going to play what you do now if you're Golden State I know it's a scare but I don't think it's anything major I don't think it's anything crazy but certainly against the team that you will beat in the first round you don't force this. You don't push him out there. You don't max out his minutes. You don't need to. You know, you do have some depth on that Golden State team. Obviously, Steph Curry's your best player, and you wouldn't be here in the one seed without him. But if you ask me, if Steph Curry missed the entire first round, would Golden State beat Houston in a seven-game series? Of course they would. Would it be a potential sweep? I don't know. I think Houston maybe could get a game or two because I think James Harden is that good of a scorer. But... And I think he would just feast on not seeing Steph Curry on the other side of things. And so I think Houston might win a game or two if Steph Curry didn't play. But I don't think Houston would win the series. All right. So technically, I don't even think you need to play Steph Curry in this one. Yeah, you may, but you give him some minutes. You ease his way back. You, uh, you, don't, you don't force him out there for max minutes. You handle it the right way. And I think if you're a Warrior fan, you expect that they'll probably do that and, and they'll limit his minutes tonight uh, in Golden State against Houston. So three games tonight. You got the Pacers who are in Toronto, 7 o'clock. How about Indiana beating Toronto in Toronto for game one? DeRozan and Lowry, 
they just had an awful game. At least what I saw in the first half, they were very bad to begin that game. And it's something that I've said about Toronto. I know Toronto did very well against the Celtics in the regular season. But postseason's a different game, and, and it's, a, it's a series. And I just look at Toronto and I say, people are so confident in the Raptors. They're so confident in DeRozan, Lowry. Where's their playoff success been? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see it long term. I just don't have that confidence in the Raptors that, that, you know, I think, look, I think they beat Indy, but if Indy wins this series, you know, Paul George is, I mean, he's an elite shooter in this game. And, uh, you know, he could steal a couple. And you steal a couple, anything's possible. So I wouldn't be surprised if Indy really made this a series and, and, and even maybe moved on to the second round. But I, I think it says more about my lack of confidence in the Raptors that they're going to go on any type of playoff run, even though they're the two seed in the East. So that game two is tonight as Indiana leads that series one game. Tanan tip off at seven. Uh, another game tonight, Oklahoma City. They host the Dallas Mavericks. That game is at eight o'clock. On TNT, Oklahoma City leads that series one game. Tanan and, of course, Golden State-Houston tip off at 10.30. Golden State leads one game to none. So that is the NBA playoffs. I guess I should look real quick. Last night, the Clippers beat Portland in their game one in L.A. The Spurs beat Memphis, whoop Memphis, in their game one in San Antonio. Miami beat Charlotte in their game one. A big win for Miami in Miami. And as I told you, Cleveland beat Detroit. In their game one as well. And and basketball is not the only sport that has playoffs going on right now. The NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, they are underway also. You're going to get three games tonight. Washington is in Philly to take on the Flyers. The Capitals, who are the team that I picked to win the Stanley Cup over the Kings. Capitals lead this series two games to none. Over the weekend, one of the worst goals that you are ever going to see scored at any level, never, not just the NHL, at any level, was scored by the Washington Capitals. It was a puck on a breakout that was sent up the left wing, and a Capitals player, I don't even know who it was, got a piece of it on his stick and just sort of redirected it to the middle of the ice, and it's coming down to the goalie. It's not even coming down hot or fast. It's not, you know, it's not on edge. The puck's not on edge. And it just gets through, what, five hole under his stick? And it goes in. I mean, you had defensemen on the Flyers putting their hands on their head going, what just happened? Like, that's the type of goal that makes you think. Like, I don't I don't have conspiracy theories about players or, or officials betting on games, right? I don't go into those things. I think it's crazy most of the time. But this is the type of goal that makes you think that goalie has... Oh, I had money on the Capitals, on the other team. Like, bet against his team. It's that type of goal that makes you think it. I'm not saying it happened. I'm saying it makes you think about that. Like, that goal is so bad, you could go down your local youth hockey rink and you could take, you know, 10 peewee goalies and you could have that same puck go down ice and all 10 of those peewee goalies every single time would stop that puck. Right? They would. <laughs> so, I mean... It is one of the, you know what? It's the worst goal I've ever seen. Worst goal. And know what it's worse than? It's worse than the BU goalie in last year's national championship against Providence, right? Where he catches, where he takes the puck and he throws it in his own net. 
and his glove. I, I, this one's worse. I think I could, I can justify that one. Now, I'm not trying to justify that other one, BU goalie. But this is like, I mean, how do you not keep this puck in front of you? I have, it, it just, I, I'd be rattled if I was a Flyer player. Obviously, they were. The Capitals won that game. They, they have a two-game-to-none series lead over the Flyers. That game three, the series goes to Philly. That game three tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, Dallas is in Minnesota at 8.30. The Stars have a two-games-to-none lead over the Wild. And then at 10.30 tonight, the Kings in San Jose. I have the Kings getting out of the West, going to the Stanley Cup Final, and as I mentioned, losing to Washington. And the Kings, they trail this series two games to none. Uh, San Jose with a two-game-to-none lead. Figures, the one year that I don't pick San Jose to, like, go on a run they would probably go on a run, right? The one year I don't. Like, I pick San Jose every year, I think, to, to go on a little deep run. I used to love the Sharks when I was a kid. I think because of their logo. I love the Sharks logo. Their uniforms, their colors, awesome. And I was also a huge Joe Thornton fan. So when the Bruins made that trade, I was beside myself when they made that. And obviously, Joe Thornton, you know, he's not the same player he was. And they took the C off his chest. And gave that to who? Pavelski. But San Jose, here they are. I didn't pick them. And all of a sudden, they're up two games on, on L.A. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't rule out L.A. coming back. I wouldn't rule out L.A. going into San Jose tonight and win this game. Like, it could happen. In fact, if I had to put my money on it, I'd put my money on L.A. winning this game tonight on the road in San Jose. And John Quick standing on his head. That's where I'd put my money at tonight. Uh, there were four games in the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Nashville, late, they beat Anaheim in Anaheim 3-2, to two, and the Predators have a 2 to nothing series lead. Uh, they go into Anaheim and win both games in Anaheim. Those are huge wins, and now that series goes back to Nashville. The Florida Islanders series is one of the more exciting series I've watched so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, there's blood, there's fights, there's hard-hitting checks, there's pretty goals, though. The Islanders... Overtime winner last night. The Islanders beat Florida 4-3. to That one was in Brooklyn. The first Stanley Cup playoff game at the Barclays Center. The Islanders win this in overtime 4-3. to They have a 2-1 to series lead over the Florida Panthers. The goal that was scored was not great. In fact, Luongo last night let up a couple goals. It's the reason why I picked the Islanders over the Panthers. We've seen this from Roberto Luongo before in the playoffs, right? He's just, there's something going on with him in his head that I can't trust him. So I couldn't trust him to help Florida win a playoff series as good as they were in the regular season. Islanders get one last night in overtime, and they beat uh, the Panthers, and the Islanders now lead the series two games to one. Uh, Sticking in the East, Detroit, they beat Tampa Bay last night two to nothing, but Tampa Bay had led the series two games to none. The series went back to Detroit for game three. Last night, Detroit wins it. Tampa Bay still leads the series two games to one. And uh, St. Louis, they beat Chicago in Chicago. St. Louis now leads that series two games to one. So that's a look at the Stanley Cup playoffs. NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, whatever happens tonight, I'll react to it on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, And finally, to wrap up the show here, as I got to get going, and I'll finish watching this Red Sox game, and I'll react to it tonight on WEI, 10 to midnight, and taking your phone calls up until midnight. 
I didn't get to talk about this story Friday because I had Jimmy Murphy, NHL insider, in studio, and we talked a lot of hockey, specifically what the Bruins' future is, and we reacted to the Bruins announcing that they were going to stick with their coach, Claude Julien, which we, me and Murph both told you it is the right decision uh, for the Bruins organization to make to, to bring Claude Julien back because he is certainly not the problem. But because Murph was in studio, I did not get to react to the NFL schedule that was released uh, on, what was it released, Thursday night, right? Remember on Thursday's podcast, I think I mocked the NFL for announcing that there would be an announcement coming on the announcement of the NFL schedule. Like the NFL loves itself and they would love to make announcements of announcements of announcements just to be in the news, just to say, wave their hands and say, hey, here we are. Don't forget about us. We know there's a lot going on. Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball just started. We get it. There's a lot going on. But don't forget about us. Like they never want you to forget about them. So they released the schedule Thursday night. I'm not going to sit here and get into 10 minutes or 15, 20 minutes or do a whole show or segment on the NFL schedule because, you know, there's nothing that gets me to change the channel quicker than trying to break down an NFL schedule in April or really even at any point during the summer. I already told you how I feel when I turn on ESPN and I see NFL Live during the summer, like even now, during April. I'm going, will the NFL just go away, please? Will it just go away? Uh, but So I'm not going to spend too much time breaking down the schedule, but there's a couple things that obviously need to be mentioned. First and foremost, something I do not like is the fact that, all right, they begin the season on that Thursday night, NBC, right? Uh, that's their kickoff to the season, prime time, Thursday night. Usually they have the team that wins the championship, wins the Super Bowl, raise the banner. They're going to go with Carolina-Denver, a Super Bowl 50 rematch on the first night. I hate that. I don't, I don't want that. But that's what they're going to give us. I just hate that idea. Like, don't give us a rematch of the Super Bowl. You, you're going to have the rematch. We know this season. It, 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 we know the teams they're playing. But you have to have it on opening night? Like, I just, I don't like that. I don't. Some people do. I don't. But bringing it back here locally, uh, we look at the Patriots schedule. It's the first thing I do, obviously. They will open it up with the first Sunday night football game on NBC, which is the game of the week, really, uh, outside of that Thursday one in the first week, obviously. But the Patriots are in Arizona week one uh, on Sunday night football. That's September 11th. So that's the Patriots' first game. Uh, just a couple other notables here. They got a Thursday night game in week three, September 22nd, at home against Houston. Brock Osweiler and the Houston Texans at Gillette on that Thursday night football game at 825, week three. Then, uh, let's see, with the bye week is week nine. I like that bye week. It's a good bye week, right? Middle of the season, middle to the end of the season. Week 9 bye for the Patriots. Then they come back from the bye, and they play Sunday Night Football at home against the Seahawks in Week 10. And then you got another Sunday night game a couple weeks later, Week 12, at MetLife against the Jets. All right, so in Jersey against the Jets. 
Then you got a Monday night game, week 14, at home against the Baltimore Ravens. It's Monday night football. You play the Broncos in Denver week 15. It's a 425 start on CBS. We know about the flex. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but the Patriots wrap up the season. Once again, New York, Miami. Uh, at home against New York, against the Jets week 16, and then week 17, which is New Year's Day in Miami. So you looking for a trip, Patriots fan? You looking for a little trip? New Year's. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day uh, in Miami. I might look into that. Might look into that. But uh, also actually should be noted that Christmas Eve, gets Patriots playing Christmas Eve, 1 o'clock, Saturday. Christmas Eve on a Saturday. Uh, so they have a Christmas Eve game. That's a game at home against the Jets week 16. So there's the NFL schedule, but more specifically the Patriots schedule. I'm not going to break down every single game that they have. I just don't have the time or the energy to do that because I, you know, NFL and football is not necessarily on the top of my list right now. My priority list in the world of sports, my priority list is playoff, really playoff basketball at the Celtics right now. And, and as you know, the Red Sox. Now, playoff hockey, I won't lie. Like, I just, I'm not sitting here watching every playoff hockey game. As much as I am a hockey fan and love playoff hockey, you know, I am keeping my eye on NBA playoffs because the Celtics are playing. The Bruins are not in the playoffs. And I also think this, you watch some of these playoff hockey games and they're so exciting and so physical. And you see all these nice goals that, and you, the crowds are going nuts. That it gets you, it gets me upset knowing that this is the second straight year the Bruins are not in the playoffs. And I'm just sort of, you know, get me to the summertime where the Bruins can stop making moves and go out and try to acquire a, a top defenseman somehow because that's what they need more than anything else in the world. But I'm like, just get me to that point. I love the Stanley Cup, as I told you. So get the finals roll around. You know, I'll watch the Stanley Cup final. And, and, you know, I will watch that cup be given out and hoisted. You know, that's the best celebration in sports when a team hoists the Stanley Cup, even if it's not the Bruins. It's, it's such a special moment. Uh, it's the best celebration when it comes to giving out a championship. Think about it. I mean, all right, the Lombardi Trophy is pretty cool. Uh, the NBA celebration, you know how I feel about that. Like, they take that trophy out, and I almost feel like, Whoever gets the MVP, you know, is holding their MVP trophy and hugging their MVP trophy tighter than they would hug uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy, which is the NBA title. Like, I just, I'm not a big fan of the NBA celebration. Some teams do it better than others. Like, I actually do think Golden State did a nice job last year. The Celtics, when they won it in 08, they did a nice job with it. Some teams are just like, eh. Like, I'd like to see them take that Larry O'Brien trophy and... I don't know, hoist it with a little bit more pride. Like, it's not the Stanley Cup. I get it. I get it. But sometimes I feel like it's, people take that Larry O'Brien trophy after they win the NBA championship and they just pass it along like it's nothing. Like, they're just there for the hat and t-shirt. No, 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 no. You just want a championship. Celebrate with the trophy like that's what you actually won and you were playing for. And... The World Series is good, but there's players scattered everywhere on the field. You know, baseball celebrations are unique where I'd re- I don't want to see the trophy presentation. I want to see the locker room pictures and videos with the plastic wrapped 
over the, the lockers in the clubhouse and everybody spraying the champagne with the goggles on after every series, right? That's where baseball's unique, but it's not as good as that is even. It's nothing like seeing somebody hoist that Stanley Cup because it's the toughest trophy to win in sports. It is such a grueling season and playoffs. It's the most grueling playoffs you could get because you got to win four series, best of seven series. I know you got to do the same, you know, four best of seven series in basketball too. And I'm not trying to say basketball is not a physical sport. It is. And I'm not trying to knock basketball players. But when you play a sport in which, you know, you're taught to make contact, that's obviously the more physical sport. Like the NHL is obviously more physical and and more demanding on your body, especially making that type of run. When you hoist that Stanley Cup over your head, when you get the long beard going, you haven't shaved in, in months, that is, to me, the most special celebration in sports. So that's coming. That's coming. When you get to that point, then we can get uh, to the Bruins offseason. But right now, focused on playoff basketball and focused on regular season baseball. The Red Sox right now, they're up one nothing in the bottom of the fifth. And uh, a big hit, looks like, from Josh Rutledge. RBI double, driving home Hanley Ramirez. Rutledge, I'm... I think Brock Holt, even seeing that, I still think, you know, if I'm writing up that lineup card today, because Brock Holt had yesterday off, I'm still, I still would have put Brock Holt in. I would have. But as I also told you, I just have a really tough time making the lineup right now, especially in an 11 a.m. start where you're giving David Ortiz a day off and you are mixing and matching things and getting Chris Young in the lineup against the lefty. I know people are fired up about Young yesterday. I just have a tough time getting fired up about it right now. I do. I have a tough time getting fight up about the lineup right now. Uh, so I'll keep an eye on this game. I'll react tonight on WEEI again. You get this show whenever you want. I broadcast five days a week at dannypicard.com. Also subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are available. And I'll remind you again, Beantown Athletics, they are your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, go to beantownathletics.com right now. That's beantownathletics.com. Or give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you David Ortiz farewell tour t-shirts. One of a kind. Get them here. All the boys here at Beantown, they went to Fenway. They went to the game today, and they all are wearing their David Ortiz t-shirts. So if you saw them today, if you were at Fenway today, and you saw, you know, a group of five to eight people wearing these David Ortiz t-shirts. They have a picture of David Ortiz on the front. They're gray t-shirts on the back in blue writing. It has the number 34 above the number where his name would be. It just says, thank you. Uh, if you're wondering where people got those t-shirts, well, you get them right here and only here at Beantown Athletics. I'm out. Again, join me tonight on WEEI 10 to midnight. And then I'll be back here for this podcast tomorrow. See ya.